You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. This is Port Hardy on northern Vancouver Island. Just one of several parts of the province getting hit with 90 kilometres an hour gusts today. Wind warnings in effect for many areas of BC, including east and west Vancouver Island to the central coast. Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us. We are dealing with a second windstorm this week and it is playing havoc with holiday travel. BC ferries were forced to cancel some sailings, including a major route between the Lower Mainland and Vancouver Island. Nadia Stewart is at the Tawasin Ferry Terminal with the details. Good news for passengers here is that all departures out of Tawasin and Swartz Bay will go ahead this evening as planned, but there are still cancellations in effect on all sailings between Denman Island and Hornby Island. Now, earlier today, one run for the Queen of New Westminster had to be cancelled because of the strong winds. The noon departure out of Tawasin and the 2 o'clock departure out of Swartz Bay were affected. The good news here is that three vessels on the Tawasin and Swartz Bay run were still operating. Now, this caps off a week of weather-related delays and cancellations for BC ferries. On Thursday, strong winds had a widespread impact on the service. Still, passengers here said they aren't too worried about making it over to the island so they can be home for the holidays. It seems pretty quiet today, so hopefully it'll be a smooth sail. Just kind of show up, and if it's going, it's going. And if it's not, you have to hang out. Have a coffee. We booked um, we booked uh, a week ago, so we didn't have a problem. But you know, you can't control the weather. So once again, for anyone hoping to catch a ferry between Denman Island and Hornby Island, all sailings have been cancelled for this evening. Be sure to check the BC Ferries website before you set out if you are hoping to catch another sailing on another route tonight. Nadia Stork, Global News. Nadia, really appreciate the update from out there. Let's get more on round two of the windstorm. Here's our meteorologist, Yvonne Schall. Thanks, Sonia, and good evening, everyone. We've got uh, wind warnings that are in effect across the island, northern sections, as well as stretching into Haida Gwaii and along the north coast. A snapshot of the peak wind gusts that we've seen with the timestamps that's been there. This morning, earlier, in Sisters Island, up to 70 kilometres per hour. We've seen gusts, though, for Salander Island, over 100 kilometres per hour, clocking at 122. Cape St. James at, at James, rather, at 93, and Herbert Island this afternoon at 98. We're still going to see very windy conditions. Current wind gusts right now out of Sisters Island at 74 kilometers per hour. But the following areas is where we do have the wind warnings. High to Gwaii and along the north coast up to 90 kilometers per hour. Victoria with the potential at 70. And northern tip of Vancouver Island at 90. And western sections of the island up to 80 kilometers per hour. Here's a look though throughout the evening hours. We'll still see it very windy approaching Metro Vancouver. Areas of concern will be Tawasin and stretching in towards White Rock where this evening we could still see gusts of up to 50 or 60 kilometers per hour. We do have some snow to talk about. If you're heading along the mountain passes, I'll have that coming up very shortly. Sonia? All right, Yvonne, thanks very much for that. Uh, there's still tens of thousands dealing with power outages. According to BC Hydro, about 66,000 customers are still in the dark tonight. That is the fallout from Thursday's windstorm. BC Hydro telling us it could be days before the power is back on for some people. Let's just take a look at the worst hit areas, some of them on Vancouver Island, including Nanaimo, Duncan and Lake Cowichan. BC Hydro says they are working very hard to get power restored for people. But the problem right now for crews is dealing with some roads that are simply not passable. 
On the Gulf Islands, the situation there for people is even worse. Pictures from Salt Spring and Gabriola Islands shows what crews are up against here. As you can see, the roads are just covered by trees that have come down. The Transportation Ministry is working with Hydro to clear the roads now. 80% of their hydro lines came down in that area. And on Maine and Saturna Islands, everybody lost power. BC Hydro also saying it could take another 24 to 48 hours to restore power to some parts of Surrey and the Fraser Valley. We have seen some really, really, really extensive damage, especially in some of the hardest hit areas. And it is going to take several days for us to get their power back on there. Um, there are hundreds of downed trees, which have left some of the roads impassable. And what this means for our BC Hydro crews is that they're not able to complete full damage assessments in some of the worst hit areas. Now, the cleanup is also continuing in the big city. Crews were called out again today to clear away downed trees and fallen debris. That includes a neighbourhood in East Vancouver where trees came crashing down into some people's homes. Paul Johnson reports. So how do you deal with a massive tree that smashed an East Van home? It's demonstrated here very carefully. This is really complex. Parks Board Director Howard Norman hasn't faced a job of this scope since a similar storm strafed Stanley Park 12 years ago. He feels for the people who've been put out of their homes in the Christmas season. But there's only one way to do this job. It's very, very tricky work. So highly skilled group of, of individuals here today, and they'll just take their time again and just slowly piece it down so everything remains safe. It's sad to see them come down one at a time. People who live on this part of 12th Street say the towering elms here gave the neighborhood a distinctive look, not to mention the summertime shade and bird habitat. I just tell people when they ask where I live, I say, you know that impossibly narrow spot on 12th where the trees are jetting out onto the street? That's my neighborhood. Most here tell us they feel the city has done a good job inspecting and maintaining the tree. Gordon Stewart even remembers a local petition to slow the city's efforts to trim the trees. He's going to miss them. I'm sure they'll be putting in new trees eventually, but they're going to be pretty small for a long time. Paul Johnson, Global News. In White Rock, people are still ignoring the warnings to stay away from the pier that was damaged in Thursday's storm. There's also a fundraising campaign that has now been set up to help rebuild this iconic landmark. Julia Foy has the latest. Uh, feels like part of our life has been ripped apart. Jerry Cruzcamp and Sandy Ripper are in shock after seeing the devastation of the White Rock Pier. It's played a special role in their lives. It's uh, an icon. We grew up here. We went to high school here. We've been here for 40 years. It does. It brings tears to my eyes. More signs and fencing are going up today because dozens of people keep coming to view the damage to the 103-year-old pier and some are putting themselves in danger. Some concerns with individuals not respecting the signage and the barricades. We noticed that two paddle boarders were dangerously near the pier. City officials say it will likely take many months and several million dollars to repair the pier. But local historians say the pier has been rescued before. People are sad. It's heartbreaking. It's, it's a difficult thing to see. 
The White Rock Pier was built in 1914 by the Canadian government. It suffered a fire in the 1950s and was rebuilt again in the 1970s. There is no doubt that these girls love representing where they live. Now a small group of teens who are members of the non-profit White Rock Ambassadors have set up a GoFundMe page to help bring the pier back to life. The pier has always been a part of my summers and it's just, it's a really nostalgic place I think for a lot of people in White Rock. I would just hope that people of the greater Vancouver area will also rally around our town. For many like Jerry and Sandy, the love affair with the pier must be rekindled. We had a lot of special times down here as a teenager and uh, and again since you know and it's uh, it'll be rebuilt Julia Foy Global News and if you'd like more information about the GoFundMe campaign, you can log on to our website. We have all the details there, globalnews.ca slash BC. We are getting much better news about the water in Nanaimo. The water treatment plant has now returned to full capacity. A loss of power and faulty equipment at the plant had the city concerned about the water supply. It turns out it was a control device in the plant that malfunctioned during the power outage. That device has now been replaced. People and businesses now can go back to using water as normal and uh, city pools have reopened as well. Going back to Thursday's windstorm, it wreaked havoc for people on houseboats off Vancouver Island. Two houseboats were reported adrift at the height of the storm on Thursday. One was near Maple Bay, another off Salt Spring Island. As winds shook boats at the Maple Bay Marina, this float home drifted onto the shoreline and grounded. Four people were able to get off safely on the beach. The stranded float home was towed away yesterday. The Coast Guard rescued another man from the roof of a sunken houseboat in Burgoyne Bay on Salt Spring. A plea now from Delta Police tonight to help find a missing Asian woman in her 60s. The person they're looking for is Chu Ching Ho. She hasn't been seen since Friday. Police considering her disappearance to be high risk. Her family do believe she may have gone to Burns Bog. Now she is being described as being 5 feet 1, 125 pounds with medium length black hair and white hair. She has a mole on the right side of her mouth. If you do spot this lady, please do get in touch with Delta Police as soon as possible. A BC man convicted in a gangland hit will spend at least 25 years behind bars. Corey Valley was sentenced on Friday to life in prison for first-degree murder and conspiracy to commit murder. The murder charge stems from the fatal shooting in 2009 of 27-year-old Bacon Brothers associate Kevin Leclerc. It happened in a busy Langley parking lot. Valley will serve a second concurrent life sentence with no chance of parole for 10 years for conspiring to kill James. Amy, Jared and Jonathan Bacon during the 2008-2009 gang war that was going on between the UN and the Red Scorpions. Valley was arrested in Mexico back in 2014. A Penticton man has been flown to the burn unit in Vancouver after his trailer caught fire last night. The flames broke out just before 8 o'clock at the River Ridge Mobile Home Park. The victim, who's in his 40s, lived there with his elderly mother. Now, fortunately, she wasn't home at the time. His injuries are said to be very serious. The fire believed to have started in the kitchen. One cat did die in the blaze. A second is still missing. By the time our crews got there uh, to do an uh, interior attack, just wasn't justifiable. Um, too dangerous for our guys to go in. I thought on my porch, because the flames were so big, that my porch was on fire. 
Firefighters did manage to prevent the flames from spreading to any other homes. The mother and son did not have insurance. Welcome back. Well, a West Kelowna family is hoping to give their son a new shot at life they didn't think was possible. Three-year-old Ben Weller was diagnosed with cerebral palsy as a baby. But a life-altering surgery in the U.S. could give him the chance to run and play just like other children. Global's Jules Knox reports. Twins Ben and Alex Weller tear around the house in a game of tag. But it's not your typical chase involving three-year-olds. Ben has cerebral palsy and needs a walker to get around. It was crazy, it was crazy, was terrifying. The twins were born 11 weeks early, too tiny to bottle or breastfeed. They spent the first two months of their lives hooked up to oxygen and feeding tubes in a Vancouver hospital. Then during the six month checkup, the Weller's world changed forever when Ben was diagnosed with cerebral palsy. Literally, time just stopped and I, I just looked at him. He was sitting on this table and I thought he, he never even got a real chance. But the family wasn't willing to give up. They found a doctor in the U.S. who does a specialized spinal surgery and after extensive testing, Ben's been accepted as a patient. It could give him the freedom to walk on his own, something his parents have been dreaming of. Just being able to move like his brother, you know, to be able to like run around the yard and to chase a soccer ball. It's almost like a rebirth for him. He'll be able to like move his legs without that stiffness. And it's like this whole new future for him where right now, if he doesn't get it at the age of five, he'll be in a wheelchair. But the surgery in the States is expensive. The Wellers estimate the whole ordeal could cost them about $100,000. So we were literally going to sell everything. But as Ben sits on the waiting list, friends and colleagues started fundraising. Thousands of dollars have been donated in support of the family, and the Wellers say it's been overwhelming. You have to do what you got to do for your kids. So we were, all everything else is all material, and if we can give Ben the opportunity to walk, there's nothing that I would not do for him for that at all. Jules Knox, Global News, West Kelowna. Now with two shopping days left before Christmas, it is high season for bad drivers in mall parking lots. Crashes peak in December with a crush of last minute shoppers. ICBC now warning everybody to pack their patience as they try to find a parking spot during the final holiday rush. Kristen Robinson reports. It's the place where once a year, the rush on Christmas giving often brings out the worst in people. You can sometimes see that people fighting each other for the spot. Face it, lady, we're younger and faster. Uh, people taking other spots that people were waiting for. Face it, girls. I'm older and I have more insurance. Those low-speed hits add up. According to ICBC, vehicle damage claims top $1.5 billion a year. Uh, it does peak during the, the winter months, uh, specifically December, and that's where most crashes happen in parking lots. An average of 200 crashes occurred at BC Mall parking lots last year, most happening between 12 and 3 p.m. on Fridays and Saturdays. They can happen because people are kind of rushing it. Or slowing down everyone else. 
they were just stalled, creating a giant lineup behind them. People tailing people from the doors to their spot. Stalking that perfect parking space, not worth fuming over. You're right, shenanigans. A lot of tomfoolery down here today. I was thinking about that, possible road rage incidents, so I was practicing my breathing. Be patient, says ICBC, and reverse into your coveted spot so you can see traffic head on once you make your getaway. Tips to ensure crunch time at the mall doesn't turn into demolition derby. Kristen Robinson, Global News. That's probably going to be me in a, in a few hours. <laughs> that, that's not over-exaggerated, by the way. People thought we, we made that up. That actually happened. There are people out there that have still got to do some shopping. And, uh, and the parking lots are not a good place to be right now. No, well, I'm, they said if you back in, I mean, yeah. that's going to take another 20 minutes. True. Yeah. Uh, so yes. Some people backing in is, uh, you know, not a good you thing. You usually lose your spot if yeah. you're back yeah. in, Yeah, someone, yeah. while you're uh, doing yeah. all your shoulder checks, someone gets you from the other side. Yeah, and they're, and they're not very patient. People <laughs> no. can, yeah, give you a hard time over that. <laughs> I know. All right, we will find out what's happening in sport in a second. But first of all, the weather and another windstorm for parts of BC. This yeah. is crazy right now. Um, not as intense as what we did see on Thursday, but nonetheless, areas and spots across the island are very windy. It'll continue through the evening hours and areas near Haida Gwaii will still see it very windy and towards your Sunday morning. A quick glance at the satellite and radar where we do have some moisture with the system. Rain and heavy at times. Higher elevations we are tracking some snowfall. The local mountains, I just took a check out grouse. We've got light snow and along the sea to sky the snow is falling. And the areas that are in blue, that's where we're tracking uh, thunderstorms that are just approaching the western sections of Vancouver Island. So we'll have more on that and if you're heading along the mountain passes, a significant amount of snow for a few areas. So I'll show you those numbers very shortly. All right, looking forward to all of that. And uh, for the Canucks, uh, of course, they've got another game and they've had a busy time. They have. They've been, and when you're, when you're playing well, you want to be busy, and they yeah. are. So this is their fifth game in eight nights. Last game before the Christmas break, really tough team coming in. Winnipeg Jets, uh, top record in the uh, Western Conference. So we hear from the players and Travis Green as we uh, set that one up. And mm-hmm. some NFL also going on today, so... Lots going on. All right. It's a fun time of year. The holidays mean a lot of sports. The World Juniors are coming up next week. It's a, it's a fun time. People across Alberta protesting today in support of the province's oil and gas sector. The largest rallies held in Medicine Hat and Edson were where hundreds of truck drivers were taking part in convoys. They are demanding action from Ottawa to help the struggling oil sector. And in Edmonton, yellow vest protesters gathered at the ledge uh, to voice concerns over the carbon tax pipelines and Justin Trudeau and immigration. Enough is enough. If these guys in there or in Ottawa are not doing their jobs, somebody needs to hold them accountable. We pay our taxes. We have the right to you know, communicate to them how we truly feel, and that should be given back to us. Right now we're living in a, in a country where we all feel like we don't have a voice. As you can see, tensions boiled over at one point as Yellow Vest supporters clashed with members from a counter-protest. Counter-protesters are upset with the anti-immigration message some people are supporting. Yellow Vest supporters say they are not against legal immigration. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau made a surprise visit to Mali today to break bread with Canadian troops. 
our soldiers won't be coming home for Christmas, so Trudeau was sharing a festive meal with them instead. Mali has been rocked by insurgency and violence for years now. While there, the Prime Minister defended his government's refusal to extend Canada's peacekeeping mission to help the United Nations in Mali. The Canadians are set to be replaced by Romanians in late 2019. A quarter of the U.S. federal government is shut down right now after lawmakers failed to reach a deal on the controversial border wall with Mexico. Nearly 800,000 employees in numerous agencies won't be getting any pay until after this gets resolved. But as Jill Bennett reports, there is no end in sight. Tonight, President Trump holed up at the White House as the partial government shutdown drags on with no deal in sight. The stalemate hinging on Trump's $5 billion demand for his signature campaign promise, a southern border wall. One he repeatedly said Mexico would pay for. The president, who just days ago said he'd be proud to shut down the government over border security. I will take the mantle. I will be the one to shut it down. I'm not going to blame you for it. Today, in a tweet signaled it could last a while, with Democrats dug in. I have never supported a border wall. Mr. Trump summoned top aides and allies to the White House Saturday afternoon to talk strategy. The president later appeared to soften his stance in a tweet suggesting that he might accept funding for a steel barrier instead of one made of concrete. A senior administration official tonight tells NBC the president is willing to negotiate on the type of barrier so long as Democrats agree to one as part of any deal. Tonight, nearly a dozen departments and agencies have run out of funding. Roughly 25 percent of the federal government gone dark. That means 380,000 government employees are furloughed or forced to take unpaid leave until the shutdown ends. Another 420,000 deemed essential employees are expected to work without pay. That includes TSA agents who are on the job during one of the year's busiest travel weekends ahead of the holidays. In Indonesia, a tsunami has killed at least 43 people. The tsunami hit the coast around Sunda Strait. Officials say nearly 600 people have been injured and dozens of buildings have been left with damage. Experts say one possible cause of the tsunami are landslides triggered under the sea by the eruption of a volcano. In September, more than 2,000 people died when a powerful quake struck just off the central island of Sulawesi, setting off a tsunami that engulfed the coast city of Palu. In Cuba, huge waves have topped Havana's seawall, turning historic streets into rivers as a weather front pushes through parts of the southeastern corner of the U.S. Residents moved belongings up from bottom floors as they wait for the floodwaters to recede. Cuban Red Cross, civil defense and police were on alert, helping to evacuate people. In health matters tonight, the government of Japan will soon be enlarging the warning labels on all packages of tobacco. Right now, 30% of the packages surface must be covered with warnings about the dangers of smoking. The finance ministry plans to increase that to 50% and also revise the messages based on the latest medical findings. Internet and ads on TV will also change. They won't be able to show elements that encourage people to smoke. The ministry hoping to have the new regulations in place by the 2020 Tokyo Olympics and Paralympics. Welcome back. Well, criminals in the North Okanagan should watch out this Christmas. Uh, watch very carefully. Porch pirates 
and mailbox thieves should be really aware of this. This is Kane could be adding some bite to your package. The Vernon RCMP canine is piloting a new technique technique to catch thieves. Kane is working long hours doing covert surveillance. There is no word yet if he's caught any Grinches, but police say he appears to be enjoying the undercover work. Imagine finding that everyone, <laughs> when you're trying to steal someone's package. That's good that he's out there. <laughs> yeah. Hardworking. He's very uh, hardworking. Right, listen, I've got a question for you. We're only a couple of days away from Christmas. I know it's tough to forecast this, but chances of uh, a white one? You'll have to wait till the five-day forecast, which okay. we'll have in a few moments. But first, let's get to the rain, and I will show you what we're anticipating for our Christmas Day and Boxing Day. But those are traveling this weekend, especially on the mountain passes, where you are going to be looking at some snowfall. Here's a glance at what we are seeing at the, the Vancouver Christmas Market. Umbrellas down there. It is wet. A mild one, though. Temperatures today are currently sitting at 7. That was our high today. We've got a an easterly wind at 22 kilometers per hour in that side of the airport. Swath of moisture falling as rain right across Metro Vancouver. We're seeing thunderstorms just approaching western sections of Vancouver Island. So lots of instability through the evening hours. Higher elevations still looking at snowfall. Here's the low end system that is going to push its way in or continue to bring the winds, especially for the overnight tonight along Haida Gwaii in the northern sections of the province. By tomorrow morning, we're still seeing a chance of showers, flurries for the morning hours into the interiors sections and then it should ease off but still a fair bit of cloud cover through the day tomorrow but not as much in terms of precipitation. A snapshot once again in terms of the wind warnings that we're seeing southeasterly for Haida Gwaii in the northern sections of the island up to 90 kilometers per hour. Southern and eastern sections of the island near Victoria up to 70 kilometers per hour. Through the evening though we could see gusts. This is one of the models suggesting near Tawasin over 60 out of the airport 40, Langley 40 and Abbotsford at 30 or to 40 kilometers kilometers per hour. Along the sea to sky though, tracking snowfall, we're still seeing that through this evening and by tomorrow range between 10 and up to 15 centimeters. Heaviest snow tonight and overnight. Coquihalla hope to merit 5 and up to 15. Allison and Rogers Pass lesser amounts but still accumulating snowfall and along the Kootenay Pass between 5 and up to 15 centimeters. For the piece, the wind chill at minus 22. Still some flurry activity for tomorrow. A bright spot will be on your Monday with the partly cloudy sky. Whitehorse at minus 15 on and off flurries. Most areas along the coast, another blustery day. Inland sections, though, still seeing two and up to four centimeters of snowfall. Caribou and central interior, drier day tomorrow. Chilly with the wind chill at minus 11. Columbia and Kootenai region, snowfall five and 10 this evening with an additional two and four for tomorrow. Thompson, Okanagan, two and up to four centimeters. A chance of flurries just for the morning hours, but in the morning, the wind chill will feel closer to minus five. Whistler, snowfall, heavy times areas near the village could see that five and up to 15 centimeter range and then an additional two and up to four centimeters for the island victoria northern western and eastern sections wind warning in effect it leaves off late this evening for tomorrow though we're getting up to eight degrees near victoria our five-day forecast across metro vancouver sonia there's your answer on tuesday for christmas day we are going to see some breaks of sunshine it's by the evening that we could see a chance of showers or flurries but so so far, not a white Christmas, but some a mild day with some sunny breaks. Back to you. All right. Well, you never know. Anything could change. But thank you very much for those details, Yvonne. Now, uh, back to the news. There is controversy tonight about something that a lot of people are seeing as unfair and potentially racist. It was forced upon a high school athlete. Happened in New Jersey. A wrestler told to cut his dreadlocks or he wouldn't be able to uh, carry on with the game. Kathy Park has all the details. 
The crowd at Wednesday's wrestling match watched Andrew Johnson's dreadlocks drop to the ground. The New Jersey high school wrestler reportedly had to choose, trim the hair or forfeit the match. A decision handed down by referee Alan Maloney, who said the athlete's hair length and headgear broke the rules. Johnson won the match, but response was swift, some calling the haircut a case of racism. Wrong, flat out wrong. It's very disrespectful and it's uh, discrimination. Social media quickly lit up as well. Civil rights activist Sean King called it disgusting and heartbreaking. The governor of New Jersey wrote, no student should have to needlessly choose between his or her identity and playing sports. The referee, Alan Maloney, grabbed headlines before. In 2016, the Courier Post reported he was accused of using a racial slur against another referee at a private gathering. Maloney later apologized. Wrestling champion and Olympic gold medalist Jordan Burroughs shared his response to Johnson's ordeal. In high school, as you're growing and you're developing, you're establishing who you are, you're creating an identity, I know as a young black man how much my hair meant to me. Buna Regional High School administrators issued a statement saying the assigned referee will no longer be permitted to officiate any more school sporting events for its athletes. The association that regulates New Jersey athletics adding the ref will stay on the sidelines as state authorities complete their investigation. Kathy Park, NBC News. All right, let's catch up with all your sport now. With uh, Barry, you got a lot going on. Yes, busy night here tonight. Thanks, Sonia. The uh, Canucks reached the Christmas break after tonight's game at Rogers Arena against the Winnipeg Jets. The Canucks are playing their best hockey of the season, 6-1-1 one one in their past eight. But they get a stern test tonight against a team many think will represent the West in the Stanley Cup Finals this season. They're a big team. Um, you know, they got uh, some big D-men back there, and... Um, you know, I feel like we're going to have to make it uh, a greasy game tonight and we're going to have to be able to, um, you know, get pucks in behind and make them work 200 feet the whole game. And uh, it's going to be a grinding game, that's for sure. We've got to be way better in the first period and right off the get-go because we know they're going to be coming hard and they obviously, you know, they have a lot of skill up front that can, I can make you pay for it if, you, if we start like we did uh, against St. Louis. So, um, no, we got to be ready to go tonight. They're deep. In all areas of the game, they got a good goalie. They're one of the teams that are favored to win the Stanley Cup. So they're, uh, they're a really good hockey team, and it's a great challenge for our group tonight. NHL today, Pacific Division leading Calgary Flames hosting the St. Louis Blues. Calgary tuned the Blues 7-2 last week in St. Louis, but a different story today. Former Leaf Tyler Bozak bangs the rebound past Mike Smith on the power play. 2-0 Blues. Flames get one back. Nice passing. Johnny Gaudreau to Elias Lindholm to Matthew Kachuk, who was born in St. Louis. Nice tip in. Kachuk has 16 goals. That made it 2-1, but... No comeback for the Flames, who lead the league in third-period comebacks uh, this season. But it's Oscar Sundqvist, who slaps at home 3-1 the final as the Blues sweep Alberta. They beat the Oilers earlier this week as well. Sharks and Kings, San Jose just five points up on the Canucks. Sharks second in the division, late third. They were down a goal, but Joe Pavelski, nice little deflection there past Jonathan Quick. That's his 23rd, 2-2 in overtime. Evander Kane misses the net, so Ilya Kovalchuk's got a break the other way, and he will snap it past Martin Jones. Second of the game for Kovalchuk, just back after missing 10 games after ankle surgery. Kings take it 3-2. Canadiens and Golden Knights, former Habs captain Max Pacioretty not in the Vegas lineup due to injury. Habs were down 3-2 late, but with the extra attacker, 
Philip Deneau will jam it in. What a day for Deneau. That was his hat-trick goal. Started the day with two goals on the season. Now he's got five. And then in overtime, Max Domi. Great pass to Paul Byron, who beats Marc-Andre Fleury with a nice move. And the Canadians win again. Habs continue to surprise up to 43 points now comfortably in a playoff spot. Leafs and Rangers from Toronto. Third period in this one. Leafs up 2-1. West Vans Morgan Riley. Boy, one of the best D-men in the league. Snaps it there for his 12th. He's a Norris Trophy candidate. Leads all NHL defensemen with 42 points. 3-1 Toronto, now 3-2. Check out the back pass by John Tavares to Mitch Marner, who makes a... uh, dandy dangle there to score the goal he had two on the night as the Leafs beat the Rangers that final just in 5-3 the final for Toronto 18 goals scored in their last three games meanwhile Toronto's other pro team the Raptors in Philly Kyle Lowry's hometown Lowry back in the lineup after missing four games with a thigh bruise but no Kawhi Leonard tonight as always resting on the second game of a back-to-back Lowry 10 points in the first including that breakaway steal more strong defense in the second DeLon Wright with the steal, we'll send Pascal Siakam in for the thunderous dunk. Looked good early for the Raptors, but maybe second game back-to-back, short bench catching up to them because Philly has dominated since. In transition, J.J. Redick hits the three, and now mid-fourth, it's 105-87 Philadelphia. Welcome back. The Seahawks can pretty much clinch a playoff spot with the win tomorrow against Kansas City. The Chiefs have already clinched a playoff spot but are fighting for the AFC top seed, so they will be motivated. It's shaping up to be a classic, just like Chanel in the red zone. After looking unbeatable for much of the season, the Chiefs have lost twice in the last month. The defense is second last, giving up almost 410 total yards a game. In two of the three losses, KC has allowed the winning points on essentially the last play of the game. And don't be surprised if this one comes down to whichever team scores last wins. The offense, though, is on another level. Number one in points, 36 a game, number one in total yards, averaging 427 every week. Patrick Mahomes leads the NFL in passing touchdowns with 45, and now he faces a passing defense ranked 21st overall. Tyreek Hill can burn any secondary 11 touchdowns and leads the NFL with 25 receptions of 20 yards or more. As for the run game, it's taken a big hit since Kareem Hunt was cut. The Chiefs haven't run for 100 team yards in the last two weeks. Doug Baldwin made a triumphant return. Two touchdowns on just four catches versus the 49ers. The Seahawks receivers will look to take advantage of a Chiefs secondary with some big holes. It's allowed 27 touchdowns, putting them in the bottom third in the NFL. Penalties basically cost Seattle last week a team record 148 yards on 14 infractions. But KC actually leads the NFL in penalties, including the most on the road with 68. That means the 12th man noise could be a massive factor Sunday night. Now Seattle leads the NFL in giveaways, turning the ball over just 10 times while forcing 22 takeaways. Now KC is favored by two and a half. But Seattle is 8-4-2 against the spread, third best in the NFL. 
All right, NFL action today. Washington at Tennessee. Two teams still alive for the playoffs. Both uh, currently, though, below the playoff line. Second quarter, Josh Johnson, fourth string quarterback for the Redskins, who had so many injury problems at QB. They were up 10-6, but uh, Titans QB Marcus Mariota thrown down here on his throwing elbow late in the first half did not return. That meant that Blaine Gabbert had to come in, and all he did was lead them on a game-winning drive as he hits Michael Pruitt for the game-winning touchdown. 25-16 Titans win. They go to 9-6. Washington drops to 7-8. English Premiership, Manchester City home to Crystal Palace. Mismatch on paper. Palace hadn't won a league game at City since 1990. They were down a goal, but Jeffrey Schloop will equalize. Curls in the left footer, ties it at one, and then this piece of magic from Andros Townsend, who smashes the volley from distance. 2-1 Crystal Palace at the half. That had to pump them up, and then in the 51st minute, Luka Milovic rather, converts the penalty. Crystal Palace delivers the upset of the season, knocking off Man City 3-2. City falls four points back of front-running Liverpool. All eyes on Man United today. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer taking over as United's caretaker manager after Jose Mourinho was fired earlier in the week. Taking on Cardiff City, third minute. Marcus Rashford delivering on the free kick. 1-0 United. 29th minute. Ander Herrera from beyond the top of the box. That glanced off a defender, but United will gladly take it. 2-0. Now 2-1. And Anthony Martial working the perfect 1-2. Brilliant play. Solskjaer said he wanted to bring joy back to United football. Well, mission accomplished. They were having fun today. Another beauty by Jesse Lingard. 5-1 is the final. First time United have scored five since Sir Alex Ferguson ran the ship back in 2013. Leicester City and Chelsea. Chelsea yet to lose at home. Been almost two decades since Leicester won at Chelsea, but it was a day for streaks to be broken. Jamie Vardy with a fantastic goal. The only goal of the match. Leicester City upsets the Blues 1-0, so Chelsea fails to gain any ground on Man City. Fifth place Arsenal. 18th place Burnley. Would there be a third upset on this Saturday? 14th minute, Arsenal get on the board. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang finishing off some beautiful passing. 1-0 Gunners. Aubameyang hit for a pair today as he will smash this one to the top of the net. Arsenal take it 3-1. They are now tied with fourth place Chelsea with 37 points. And a look back last night to the Vancouver Warriors home opener last night at Rogers Arena versus Calgary. And the Warriors get the first goal of the game and first goal at home for the Warriors, courtesy Colton Porter. 1-0 Vancouver. Mitch Jones also got one here. Vancouver had a great start. They were up 6-3 at one point in the first half, but Calgary scored seven straight after that. Dane Doby had a big game, four goals on the night, and the Warriors fall 14-8. So their record's 1-1. One one. They're in Buffalo next Friday. They don't have a home game for a few more weeks. But NLL back downtown in Vancouver. Here's a look at your snow report for today. Whistler Blackcomb with a base of 214 centimeters. Grouse and Cypress with four new centimeters of snow. Sasquatch with a base of 146. Revelstoke with a base of 177. Fernie 152. Manning Park 127 and Whitewater 177. Big White with three new centimeters and a base of 130. Silver Star base of 142. Sun Peaks 117. Kicking Horse in Mount Washington, both with five new centimeters of snow. Powder King with a base of 171.
All right, now holiday travel uh, when you're heading to the airport can be very stressful for a lot of people. Uh, but here's the idea. You add a little music and things can change. Here's Global's Gil Tucker. Samantha Visser's got quite a trip ahead of her. I'm going to New Zealand. So how's this for a soundtrack as she gets everything set for that long haul for the holidays? It's actually really nice. It just adds a little bit of that Christmas cheer and warmth before getting on a plane. I'm also a little bit scared of flying, so it really helps to de-stress. And more than happy to help with that, the jazz band from Diefenbaker High School. Oh, this is one of my favorite gigs of the whole year just because you get to see all these people walk by and then their faces light up like they smile and everyone's kind of dancing along and having a good time with it. One of several musical groups at the airport this Christmas sharing the soothing sounds of the season. It's absolutely fantastic. It puts a smile on your face and puts you in the mood and gets you ready for Christmas. You see these people getting off the flights with little kids and everyone can enjoy the music. So it's nice that it's something that we can share. It lightens you up. Oh, for it sure. Does. It lightens you up. For, for sure. sure. There's so much stress and people don't understand that. That's why we got this beautiful baby. <laughs> I loves it. It's something that not a lot of airports have, just live music. And you can tell that people walking by, it maybe lifts up their day. Gil Tucker, Global News. That's great. That's how I'd like great to travel shot. in a Yvonne, you could bring tambourine. your tambourine there. Yeah. You? you look like you would have a tambourine. Really? Yeah. Do you have a tambourine? No, I don't have a tambourine. <laughs> I've just got something there, like, you know, like the uh, Susan Day from the Partridge family or something. Oh. <laughs> She's like, what? Happy to pick one up for you, Barry. Okay, well, just there's still time. There's yeah, still time, exactly. Yvonne. I like Anyone's how we got appeal. got a tambourine out there. We just appeal to all ages here, of course, <laughs> as you can see. Thanks very much for watching. We'll be back tomorrow. Good night. Good night. No one knows what the Partridge family is. <laughs> exactly. No, I don't. <laughs> it's a show for